Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. This week we watched Can You Ever Forgive Me, directed by Marielle Heller and released in 2018. The plot of the movie goes something like this. When Lee Israel struggles to make ends meet as a writer, she turns to forging literary letters. Um, so before we get into the spoilers, we're going to do a spoiler-free section to let you guys know whether you should see this movie. Melissa, should people see this movie? Yeah, I thought it was quite fun, actually. You know, if you're in, into sort of arty movies, uh, I didn't know much about it beforehand. I knew it was Melissa McCarthy going ugly for, for an Oscar, perhaps. But it, it was quite fun. She's very engaging. Richard E. Grant, Jane Curtin, a couple of others come along in support um, in really nice ways. I thought it was just, an, I don't know, I, I enjoyed this. I thought it was fun. Yeah. Forges are always fun. Um, I really loved this, like a whole lot, to the point where my notes are very short because I was so engaged with it that I barely wrote them. Uh I loved it. I absolutely was eating it up. Like it was so entertaining to me. Mm. But I also think it might have struck a nerve because I definitely see some of myself in Lee Israel. But, um, I, God, I just loved it. Like every single kind of her and Richard E. Grant together when they were on screen I didn't want to stop watching for a second to take notes because I just was having too much fun I also didn't make a lot of notes because it was really engaging and also you got to pay attention yeah and I I really enjoyed it they they are really good together and it's got some I I like that it's poking a bit of fun at like the literary establishment Mm -hmm. and pretentious writers and um, they're a lot of fun and they're also – they're both such curmudgeons, particularly yes. her. Such and misanthropes. That sort of curmudgeonliness is kind of hilarious. It is really hilarious but it's also like – I don't know. I kind of liked that, that they were um, – it was as much about that they had a lot of like problems and going to do as like – you know, the world around them wasn't that great. I, yeah. I just like that there's a lot of balance and that the movie was like never too forgiving of its main character, mm. but also portrayed her as like a real person that, you know, had foibles and all that stuff and cared about things. And oh, I, I love this movie I just, so and, much. Yeah. And it's so, um, I was like, this is so relevant to what it's like to be a millennial creative. Like mm-hmm. the whole, you just can't not have a day job kind of thing yeah the, that stuff is just so relevant and like i'd never heard of lee israel and i just think it's a really good story a to great be told story, yeah yeah and this sort of unapologetically queer cranky lady yeah who is just so much fun to be around like it's it's really fun to watch her and to yeah. follow her story yeah i think um yeah i just think it's great I think we should probably get into spoilers yeah. so that we can talk about it a bit more. But really, if you get a chance, go see this. It's fantastic. And the only people there were like over 70. Yeah, we were the youngest people in the audience by like several decades. And it's really worth seeing, really absolutely worth a watch. It's, of the Oscar movies so far, this one's uh, a really enjoyable one. This one's my favorite, I think, of the Oscar movies, unless Black Klansman gets some nominations. Even then, I think I liked this better. Huh. But I did really love that too. Yeah, yeah. So we'll go into spoilers now. So if you haven't seen Can You Ever Forgive Me, uh, stop the podcast now and come back when you have. I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, I think this has been like kind of ghettoized like Tully. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, it's about a woman. So eh, people don't need to go see it, which sucks. Yeah. It's and it's, so you know, great. big star. They're both so great. Big star uglies up for an Oscar tilt. But it's like, it's such a good movie. But the th- But the thing is like, that's melissa mccarthy 
just does that anyway. I know she's not exactly she's not afraid to you know make a fool of herself or anything. No, but I, the concept of oh somebody goes ugly for a movie it doesn't feel like it really applies all that much to her. Like for an Oscar anyway. Like it's not the same as like when Charlize Theron, like gorgeous glam Charlize Puts Theron. Puts on 30 pounds or whatever. Yeah. yeah which and she did for Tully, which is amazing, exactly, but you know. <laughs> exactly. And doesn't wear makeup and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like Melissa McCarthy already did this for Bridesmaids, which is a cheesy kind of, you know, comedy, which she yeah. also got an Oscar for, but she wasn't trying to. Like mm. it doesn't feel like she's trying for an Oscar here. It feels like she's doing a movie and and this woman is so interesting this is such an interesting story to tell and it sort of touches on so much of like the writer's life and the struggle of being a creative and it's set in 1991 which like is 27 years ago as you pointed out to me um badly because i was like how long is that 37 years (laughs) and she realized she was alive in 1991 and she isn't 37 i'm great at maths so it's it's a time, like it's a, an interesting time as well. In Australia, there was a recession going on at the time, like the economy wasn't great, but there's also the AIDS crisis going on in the background and it was before New York really gentrified. Mm-hmm. So this, it's still kind of like ugly and gritty in places. So there's an interesting social story going on at the same time as she's as she's doing this. There's all of the things about this movie are so great because you you feel the 90s-ness of every moment Oh my of gosh, it. Anna? Yeah, and, yeah, Anna. Like, I, I find it hard to believe that she's a woman who lives in 2018. She's British, ah, uh. <laughs> right? Like, I was like, oh, that explains it, <laughs> because she does. Like, she looks. She reminded me so much of like an Andy McDowell type person. Like, yeah. she just stepped out of the 90s onto our screens. Yeah, yeah. The hair and the the clothes that she was wearing and the way that she talked and everything mm. was so 90s. She was great. Yeah, yeah, like I, she was just so good. I mean, everybody was, you know, you can definitely feel like the 90s yeah. in there. Um, the, yeah, the way it was shot as well was like very kind of reminiscent of the well, 90s and, and the colour grain and everything. Yeah, and when I got into the car, I was like, because we were talking about how many years ago it was, and I was like long enough ago to have foreign customs mm-hmm. and that sort of, you know, the past is a foreign country kind of thing. They smoke indoors and – um, half her thing falls apart because somebody in LA bought something and like started talking to people. And she also she has to go around to all the dealers in person mm. and try and sell these things. So and call people on her landline. Yeah, that's right. So it's very um, yeah. You definitely feel the time. Um, and and there was nothing that ever sort of felt anachronistic either. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't. And you know, even down to the casting of Richard E. Grant, who is such a '90s guy. Mm. Like we just. Uh, his existence in our consciousness coincides so much with the 90s yeah. that, like, it's brilliant to cast him because he brings that with him as well as being great in this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so <laughs> great in this. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yes, I think he's been he's up for a number of awards as well because oh, he's so good. I hope they both win. Like, well, mm. I'm still really, really hoping for um, Tony Collette to get an Oscar nomination this year. Yeah. But I also think Melissa McCarthy in this is amazing that scene where she drops off the box with her cat's body to the vet was heartbreaking from this character that's been so grumpy about everything and so miserable like the scene where she cries over the cat's body is kind of like 
not that heartbreaking because it's that catharsis, like yeah, big because, crying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we've been waiting for this cat to die as well. There's two <laughs> occasions where the cat is imperiled and you're like, oh, my God. There's so many occasions yeah. where the cat is imperiled. Um, and you're just like, oh, God, yeah. What's, when's it going to happen? But, yeah, she, when she walks into the vets and she's so deflated and she just can't deal with it. Yeah, and, like, it just holds on her face with the chin wobbling for, like, 30 seconds and you're like, oh, God, it's mm. so sad. And, like, that cat was the only really – you know, the only thing that she really loved and the only yeah. thing she had a real connection with and it's so upsetting. It's heartbreaking. I, I actually thought the courtroom scene at the end where she makes oh, – So good. – advocates for herself in front of the judge with this delightful late in the movie cameo from Mark Evan Jackson as her lawyer. Yay. That scene was just fantastic, that monologue. How good is his voice? It is the best voice. I listened to his Good, good Place podcast, even though I don't particularly like the podcast very much, because of his voice, because he's oh. the host. He used to be on a podcast, um, The Thrilling Adventure Hour, which I don't know if it's still going, but it had him and Paul F. Yeah. Tompkins and, oh. and um, oh God, what's her name? The lady from who used to be on um, NCIS, Paget Brewster. Oh, yep, right. And a whole bunch of people, and they used to do little skits, like ongoing ones, like radio shows, and he was a, a Martian cowboy. It was so great. He just says, the best voice in the business. Amazing. Total. Sorry, that's a total tangent. But yeah, that, yeah but we can praise Mark Evan Jackson. We don't get wonderful. a lot of chances to, and he's yeah. great. <laughs> yeah, but that that team where she yeah advocates for herself at the end, just so well done. I know. I loved it. Mm. Like I loved a lot of this, but also that had the thing about that is this is a movie with so many little moments, and it all felt mm. like it built to that. Yes, and there's a few times when like Lee is sad in her apartment. <laughs> Yeah. And I was thinking of Widows. And oh, I was like, because yeah. I got so frustrated at all the scenes of Viola Davis being sad in her apartment in Widows, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in this, every time she's sad in her apartment, it's a slightly different being sad in her apartment. Uh, it never felt like it was a rerun. No. It no. Just, it never felt like, oh, she's still, you know, upset over the same. It's always like shifting as to what's going on around her and like how she's struggling to kind of keep her feet under her and she discovers this exciting thing she can do, which is to forge letters, mm-hmm. which there's a little bit too much coincidence just before that that was the only thing that kind of twigged me for a moment where she like there's two letters at one time. Yes. Like there's one that she – has on her wall and she goes to sell that and then she immediately finds another one in a book. In a book and you're like, she's, oh. yeah. yeah. It would have made more sense to me if she found one in a book and then looked at the one on her wall, Yeah, you know, like because that would have triggered her to look at the – so mm. it was just frustrating. Like that was too much coincidence just really quickly. Yeah, yeah. But that was the only time. Like the rest of it kind of all flowed on quite naturally. Mm. And also, like, her trying to juggle her rela- her relationships and the way she handles all the different buyers. Yeah. And just not being good at all at the personal stuff. No. Um, and then Richard E. Grant comes in and does such a better job. So much better, yeah. It was really entertaining to watch as well. I love yeah. watching her not be good at people. Oh, God, That yeah. date she goes on. Oh, God. And when she, like, her ex, Anna DeVere Smith, comes in, again, mm. in, like, this tiny, tiny part, she's, like, I can't remember exactly the line, but it's something like, it's not my job to help you pick up the pieces anymore. But she and talks you down from the ledge. Yeah, yeah, talk you down, that's it. And like the, the way she complains about her ex girlfriend, because she wanted too much, like emotional support. <laughs> no, she was like, she wanted me to like meet her friends yeah. and listen to her problems. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And 
there's a line I actually wrote down when she and Jack first meet up and um he's like oh yeah there was that woman I think she died no wait she moved to, she got married and moved to the suburbs and had twins and and um Lee is like oh better off dead yeah <laughs> so funny i love them they're so cranky they're so cranky and, so, and when mark evan jackson suggests that she do um charity with kids groups and yeah. she's like oh really <laughs> it's great it uh, is i she's just that's... such an enjoyable crank and she just can't it's really entertaining i think because it's so not pretend yeah like she can't just pretend not to be for five minutes to get on with a normal nope. conversation nope. with somebody. She can't. She's just stop being herself. Too disillusioned with the world to she, do that. Yeah, she just can't play the game. And oh god, I love the whole rant about Tom Clancy. That was so funny. It was very funny. She and Jane Curtin were very oh, fun that, together. Yeah, that too. scene. The two of them in that scene was so good. I love Jane Curtin. I just. I always think of her as from um, Third Rock from the Sun, but she's ex-SNL, and she's so good, and I loved seeing her too. She very associates with the 90s for me as well. When there's the cloakroom at her party, oh, wow. and Melissa McCarthy is so mad that there's a cloakroom at her house. Really I know. I just really enjoy it. Because I noticed it too. She walks in, there's a cloakroom. I was like, room. this I was is like, a house party and there's a cloakroom. Yeah, exactly. It's insane. And it is. It does speak to that complete pretension. And it's not even a house party. It's an apartment party. Yeah. There's a cloakroom in her apartment uh, yeah and she does mention it later on oh i didn't inherit her ex-husband left her or something yeah something about the property and yeah it's it's funny because like the, it, the whole intersection of like class and money around liter- literary fiction and literature mm. which is interesting because obviously she has no money even though she's published and established as a writer but if you move in that world you kind of have to act as though you do it's yeah. very middle to upper class and the way they talk and all that kind of thing and it's really interesting the way that at that party they've got that that man the tall man surrounded by like the sh- three women who are all exactly the same height yeah yeah men like the way, the way it's shot is made me so happy because it's just him kind of dominating these three well, women with i don't believe in writer's block i think that's meant to be tom clancy <laughs> i think it is too, yeah, yeah. Um, which is just, I love that. I love yeah. that so much. But yeah, I know. And he, you, and he he really dominates the room. And you're like, ah, oh, splain is going to splain. Yeah. And, the three and women, of course it's Tom Clancy. Yeah. And then she walks past two more women talking about stuff. But it's also, it's like this very brief visual encapsulation of the literary world, which is so, there's so many women in it, mm. but the men are getting all the attention and the sucking money. up all that money and attention that's in the room. Yep. And yet, like, most of the people in it and most of the people involved are women. The yep. agents and the publishers and the editors and all that sort of stuff are mostly women. Yep. And even most of the authors, but, like, get less attention than yeah. very, very clever. And also Lee Israel, you know, her real name is Leonore. Obviously, she's going by Lee because it's more, like, gender neutral. and mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's great. But then it, she is also kind of butch. Like, yeah, she is. It makes but... sense for her t- to be a Lee. Yeah. And... I um I actually really liked her wardrobe. I noticed at the end there was a, a separate wardrobe for her because like butch dressing, the way she dresses in men's menswear inspired outfits. Mm. But as anyone who's interested in being butch knows, it's menswear is really hard once you get past a certain size. Mm. So it's really well done with these lovely coats and tweeds and boots. Well, she stole one of the coats. But. Yeah, she she did. Um, yeah, but she that coat never comes back again. She's next shot. She's in a tweed coat. Mm. That the wardrobe is really good. The way she and and the way at the end where she's penitent and relaxed a bit more. She's in like a shirt and a 
jumper, like mm. a V-neck jumper. Um, but it's still not yeah. feminine, but yeah. No, not at all feminine. It doesn't very, change who she is, but yeah, very she's more. Very butch. And she's, she, she's a very strong sense of who she is. Yeah. And, you I mean, she even talks about how she's 51 and she's sort of, she doesn't say it, but she's set in her ways. I likes cats more than people. He likes, yeah, there was, it's really great. I'm 51. I like cat more, more than people and I'm not young. I'm not hot and sexy. Yeah. And there's so many things as well where like the set in her ways is implied. Mm-hmm. When when her um, ex-girlfriend comes and she's like, you still on 82? And she's like, where else would I be? Yeah. You know, like that's kind of even the, the apartment is full of poop. Oh, God, that was horrifying. I was like, does she not have a sense of smell? Maybe she didn't notice it because she didn't have – because it's strange mm. that she didn't think, oh, maybe if I cleaned it, the fly problem right. would go Right, and away. she also said, like – and they come in, they both, like, gag, and she's like, I can hear. Yeah. Not – I can smell. I can hear what you said. Yeah, it's, it seems Weird. to be implied that she doesn't have, have a, a sense, sense of smell, smell anymore, yeah. that mm. she's lost it. Which, I mean, it's possible given the amount she drank. True. And the amount she unapologetic. <laughs> I'm at an AA meeting right now and <laughs> she's drinking in the bar with him at the end. Oh, man. Oh, that was so great. I loved the way that the AIDS stuff was worked in too because yes. it's, it's like, you know, it's there and they talk about it a bit, but like it's not the focus of his character. Mm. Um, yeah. And, I, you know, he talks about how his hair is falling out and stuff. And well, I, I think the all of the queer storylines were like that. They were just part of their life. Yeah. Rather than being like a, you know, teachable moment movie of the week or anything, it was that was part of their lives. Yeah. That was so fun. Yeah. I just just thinking about like I just was grinning from ear to ear for like the first hour of this movie <laughs> because I just was enjoying it so much. Even when it's tense and like, you know, you're not sure if the cat's gonna die and all that stuff, mm. it's still so well told. Yeah. That you're just kind of, I was just so in it, which is like, yeah, as you know, very difficult for me to be. Yes, it like, is. Like I get pulled out of movies quite easily and I'm constantly thinking about them and all that sort of stuff. And I didn't have any of that in this movie. Mm. I was just there. I think Mariel Heller was a, did an amazing job. Yeah, it is. It was beautiful. And we should mention female director, female first AD, female second AD. Yes. Like that is why you hire women to direct your movies. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I did start to drag a bit at one point. I think it was about an hour in and I was like... I wonder where this is going. Like I did sort of get to a, a clear end of act two eventually, but I, I was sort of wandering a bit there. Yeah. But yeah, it, it is really well put together. And I was so like, I, I just never for a min, minute doubted I was in this world with these people. Yeah. Uh, and that, and that was the amazing thing. Cause, and the fact that it's like a criminal memoir yeah. as well, which I've watched those before and like um, Wolf of Wall Street, like actively I would have demanded my money back for that movie if I'd had to pay for the ticket was so awful and he's such a terrible person that I was just like, why are we giving this man attention? But her crimes are so kind of minor. Fun. <laughs> yeah, they're fun. fun. And, and the people that she's targeting are rich people. Much richer than her and pretentious and they move in these um these circles. Yeah, she seems she's most penitent for And they like, think she they're smarter than her. Yeah. And she's most penitent with the with, booksellers. Yeah. That she like had to kind of screw them over to do it. Yeah. And not all of them are jerks like Ben Falcone in this movie. Yeah, and Jack, um, who she's penitent with him as well because, yeah. Yeah, but, but he screwed her over as much as yeah. she did him. And so. that's, well, yeah, and it's it's different. But, yeah, like she's really like once she realizes that Anna, you know, she doesn't want to get Anna any further involved because she likes mm. her and she d- genuinely feels bad about it. But also, yeah, it's, it's a really low stakes kind of crime. It is, you know. Yeah. I mean, this is why um, movies love forges. Yeah, because it is pretty low stakes, to be honest. It's not just that, but the stakes are like 
showing up rich people. Yeah, it's a, which it's everybody a Robin can Hood. kind of get behind a bit. Yeah, that's right. It's a real Robin Hood kind of thing. Yeah, you've got a poor person who's like, well, I'm just as good a writer as these people that you're worshipping. And I need money. Yeah. And like Dorothy Parker went to Hollywood because she needed money. She went and became a screenwriter mm. because she couldn't afford to keep, you know, supported on poetry. Nobody yeah. can. Dorothy Parker, yeah. I, I um, The bit where she sees the letter in the window at the end was really entertaining yeah, to me. Yeah, it was. Um, but yeah, the the it's also really interesting about writing mm. and about like writer's voice and stuff like that was interesting to me. Yeah, the, and, and the way you can get into somebody else's voice. Yeah, it was really quite fun for, like to mm. watch her do all of that but also – you know, have her own voice and never want to write in it because it would open her up to criticism and stuff. Yeah. It was, <sighs> but then there is such skill in being able to get in someone's inside someone's yeah. head like that. Yeah, exactly. There was a lot of skill involved, but there was no the, – the thing is she wasn't risking herself. Mm, yeah, Like yeah. she was like – put. there was so much risk involved, but it was never her like – her personality, her she, words. Yeah, she wasn't risk. risking being vulnerable. And they talk about it early like as a, a – foreshadowing thing as well mm. when she's with jane Curtin, jane Curtin's talking about how she disappears behind her work yeah and lee's like oh that's because i'm a good writer but it's also because she doesn't want everybody else to view her work the way that these other people are viewed either revered or scorned or you know mm. criticized for like the way that they write which is really an interesting part of her character and part of her character journey that's not like the main focus of it yeah but an interesting part of it yeah yeah that protection Mm. through every aspect of her life, that sense of just holding on and putting up walls to protect herself yeah. throughout everything is um is really obvious then. Yeah. I really enjoyed this movie. Oh, and the music too. So great. Yeah. And it seemed to have been done on the smell of an oily rag too. There was like five people in the orchestra. It was yeah. and, and including the composer and people who shared last names with other people in the casting crew. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, the music was really good. Like the score was good and the song selection. Like mm. it's all very kind of I think the reason that I had the Frasier theme song stuck uh. in my head afterwards is because the music is that it kind in, of jazzy New Yorky. It really put you in the nineties. Yeah. But it's that specific nineties uh, like snobby, jazzy New Yorky, like it's that kind of I don't know. Like the aesthetic of New York in the 90s was that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that is part of putting you into the New York in yeah, the 90s and th- is that sound. Yes, it is. And the the visuals, it's so grey mm. and brown. Everything Very is brown, yeah. Grey, grey and brown from her clothes to her hair, which is really good as well. Her hair, which is a wig, it's in the credits, it mm. say, seems, is really clever because it's basically – it, it like looks like the hair of a person who's like not dyed their hair in a few months and the white's growing out at the mm. top. Very, very clever. But it, it, it also fits in with the brown and grey aesthetic of everyone around yeah. her. Yeah, except for Richard E. Grant. Yeah. Who's like got the blue eyes and the blue blanket that he wears around and all this other stuff. Yeah, that he's like, in like blue scarves yeah. and cravats and things. And to some extent Jane Curtin, who's like the shiny white rich 90s. Like mm-hmm. she, her, you know, her apartment could be the set of a Nora Ephron movie. Yeah, yeah, the Nora Ephron. That was very entertaining when she pretends yeah. to be Nora Ephron on the phone, and then amazing. There's, there's a note in the credits that said Nora Ephron um, delivered a cease and desist so that she'd stop impersonating her on the phone, which was really funny. It's delightful. It is delightful. The the credits were lovely, especially the little like note about how. Um, when Jack was dying, he was looked after lovingly by the gay men's health 
group or I don't yeah. remember the exact words, but yeah, yeah, it was that was like the main thing in the credits. It's very sweet. Yeah. I mean, we've already talked about it, but you can't tell queer stories from the 90s without telling the AIDS story. And it just it did that so well. I mean, in, yeah, in the States especially. It yeah. was less um, intense here for a lot of reasons, which I've been learning about recently. All right. Point. Better public health campaigns? or a few, just- There were a few things. Um, we had um, stronger border protection, so less people were coming in with it. And then also better public health. Yeah. So, like, once it started, people, they had, like, needle exchange programs and a whole lot of different things. Like, yeah. especially the, um, the gay community kind of created their own health groups yep. that spoke up about it. And- yeah. And made it a lot better and easier than it was in the States. Because in the States, the president was uh, – yeah. George H.W. Bush and did a really bad job, which is why I've been learning about this recently. Yeah, yeah. Like he was – yeah, coming. they off did this whole the, celibacy kick and a lot of other yeah, stuff. It was coming really off bad. the Reagan just say no ears as well. Yeah, yeah, and it was just handled terribly and they just mm. didn't – largely didn't care because it was the gay community. Yeah. So a lot of things. I wrote a note about scrunchies. Oh, yeah, which Anna is wearing yeah. a lot. And that hairdo that she has with the sort of, like, fringe and this fluffy hair. It, the, yeah, that the specific fringe, like, shortish hair half but with up, a bit – Yeah, half with up scrunchy. with a scrunchie is the most 90s thing. Yeah. Like, everybody's talking now about how, you know, 90s fashion is coming back and I see all these things mm-hmm. and I'm like, no, that's what it is. And, like, all the – lots of people were wearing, like, cravats things and like shirts with the collars that are too big and the little and that was like cool and you're like oh it's so ugly yeah it's funny how like fat the bits of fashion that come back and the bits that don't Mm. and and this was really good at the bits that don't come back or hadn't come back yeah wrote quite a few lines down again but i I just didn't i I really didn't write enough notes like oh i mean enough i I wrote a lot but i I just didn't write as many notes as i normally would because i was so engaged when when i did it was it was stuff that like it wasn't commenting like on things about the movie it was like writing down lines because i liked them and stuff when yeah. there's one that richard e grant says when um listen mccarthy's like oh you can't tell anybody and he goes and if no one left to tell all my friends are dead which oh, is that kind so of gallows humor tragic yeah and at the end of that scene i don't remember what happens but he says the nerve of someone which was really entertaining to me the way he said it <laughs> oh yeah he was just he would snap off like seven amazing lines all in one yeah. row. Like there's actually I did write down one where yeah, you know, he's like, I hate the burrows to yeah. when he's trying to sell one of the letters and immediately sits down. When did you last go outside, Lee? Like yeah. in like snap, snap. He's so good. Yeah. When the cute boy is serving them at that diner, he oh, comes up yeah. and he goes, Hello ladies, and then Lee says, I resent that. <laughs> Just a great moment. Yeah. And she, you know, when he, she leaves him alone in her apartment, she's like, don't snoop and don't use my bed. And the first thing he does don't is smoke. Start, he smo- yeah, smoke on her bed. Smoking on her bed while snooping around. Yep. Like, it's like, and, of and the he's only, going to. <laughs> the only other rules are, you know, to um, make sure her cat has the medicine. Yeah. I'm not totally sure what happened with the cat. Well, because he did his job. He fed the cat. But I wasn't sure if, like, the pills that he put in were the wrong ones. Yeah. Or, or the cat just died because yeah, she or there was, was old some, and sick. And, and she was under the couch and there was a broken bit of the couch. So, like, did she get injured? But I just think she died because she was old and sick. I Yeah. I mean, 12 isn't actually that old for a cat, but yeah. True, but she had, had she was, like, infections. Yeah, and, and she was sick and wasn't yeah. doing so well. Yeah. And so, like, it wouldn't be that surprising if she just, yeah. you know, died from 
complications from that rather from, than yeah, yeah, him doing anything wrong. Yeah, no, and I don't think he did. But also, how could you know? Because Lee wasn't there. She yeah. would be writing the the memoir from what she thought. So it kind of thought I kind of thought it might have just been her forgiving him for doing it by telling the story that way. Uh, yeah, it could be like that. You know. Maybe it wasn't the wisest idea to leave him in charge of the cat anyway. Yeah. That, <laughs> that cat, by the way, whose name is Town, um, was a really good actor. There's a bit where um, they offer her prawns and she refused to eat, has to refuse to eat them. I assume they used a fake prawn or something. <laughs> but also she was just like – she had this wonderful cat thousand-yard stare. There's a bit where the where Richard e. Grant looks at her and she just looks back at him. Yes! That is the most cat thing ever. I know. it was. She was just a really good cat actor. Very pretty too. Yeah, beautiful cat. I also feel like this movie was – given that um, – that Marielle Heller really hasn't done any done much else. It looks surprisingly good. Oh god, it's so beautiful. The There's first never... night out with Richard E. Grant, mm. the way she uses that night, like the street lights, to frame him, mm-hmm. and his. There's a couple of occasions he just. I know you're not supposed to make smoking look glamorous, but he makes smoking look so glamorous. Like there's two shots where he's just like having a drag on a cigarette, and I'm like, God, that's beautiful. <sighs> yeah, but it's everything he does. You know, he's oh, just so his like louche movement is yeah. just amazing, he's and the so way perfect. that he just like sort of slides through life with nowhere to live and yeah. no kind of I don't even know where he gets all the clothes that he's wearing and stuff, or where he keeps them. Yeah, but he's you know just moving through like and and his only coat for most of the movie is a blue and black checked blanket yeah and yet he makes it look like it's high fashion I know. like he drapes it around himself like he's wearing high fashion yeah, yeah. it's amazing um so clever um, hmm. um, um, um but also like later on there's a shot of the judge where she's framed and like there's just the big thing behind her and the t- it goes all the way up to the top of the flags behind yeah, her yeah yeah and she looks small in the big thing and it's so imposing they definitely use melissa mccarthy's lack of height Yes. In this, yeah. um, because she's so small and like Richard E. Grant is pretty tall, clearly. Yeah. So they really use that um, as this like this small woman. And, it, and like when, even the first time when she's carrying all those books and stuff and she's this really small lady. Yeah. Um, but because she's masculine looking and fat, they're like, no, but she just sort of everyone ignores her and nobody mm. wants to help her. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I really liked. And also she doesn't exactly let people help no that's much. true she's or not. invite help a lot of the time but yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's that true crumpiness and stuff um I, I actually noted that i loved a couple of the songs especially that version the billy holiday version of i'll be seeing you which is such a beautiful song yeah over all the like flowers and stuff when she's finally let go of a lot of the stuff mm. and is moving on with her life which was nice yeah a lot of the time in movies about criminals you don't really get that bit no no you don't um where they kind of move on with their lives and stuff also, she gets put on house arrest, and I'm like, I get the feeling that she might not mind house arrest all that much. No, it kind of sounds amazing. You can only go to work, AA, and community service. Hmm. Like, cool. I can get everything delivered. This is now. New York. Yeah, that's true. Maybe it wasn't the case then. But, Maybe it would be harder to Yeah, I guess. Eat, especially but, since she didn't seem to do a lot of cooking for herself or anything. No. Oh, yeah, I don't know. But there was a lot of t- – like, she could probably get a lot of She's delivery. In New York. Even, yeah, in the 90s even, New York was much better about those kind of things. But, yeah, like, it just seems – like she wouldn't mind all that much especially if i mean i think that having six months at home would be great to have time to write but she has to go to work like she has to get a That's job true and so she has a day job so that she can pay the bills what was she stuff. doing she's working for scholastic as a copy That's editor right. she's probably writing little blurbs in the scholastic 
catalog that went out to every school child. Even that doesn't seem that bad. It sounds like, you know, it sounds kind of good. It sounds um, kind of nice. Well, yeah. I wouldn't mind having six months of that. Oh, yeah. Honestly. Or, just, or just having that as a day job. Like you write all day. That would be kind of fun. Yeah. And I wouldn't mind writing for kids things, although it might be a bit of a punishment for Lee. <laughs> Because she was yeah, not that into kids. I, she probably Scholastic publishes other books. I'm sure it's fine. Like she co- did become a children's magazine contributor. Yeah, and if she's and if she's copy editing as well, which is correcting other people's writing, which is amazing Always fun. fun. It is fun. <laughs> I love it. The, like the main thing I remember from Boy Erased is when he had the manuscript, the manual for yeah, the yeah. place, and he was like, "Oh, there's so many." I want to send him back it. a marked up copy. It's the only time he exhibited, you know, personality in I that movie. It. I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I've. And then the end of the movie has a quotation where the full stop is on the wrong side of the quotation. Well, I marks. thought that was it was like a badly printed comma, but yeah, no, it's, it's meant bad, to be a comma. But it's because it's like July twenty fourth, comma. No, no, no. Blah, at blah, the blah. end of it, there's a so at the end of the thing, there's a quote, right? Oh. but like the full stop is on the inside, but it's not a full sentence of the quote. Oh, right. Yeah. So it shouldn't, shouldn't be it in should, the inside. Yep. Yeah. If it was a full sentence, it would be fine to have the full stop inside because then yeah. it's a complete. But it's not. It's only a fragment of the longer sentence that's on yep. the outside, yep. and the full stop should have been on the outside of the quotation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that annoyed me because I was like, but it's about writing. Yeah. They should have picked this one up. Mm. Lee would be mad. Lee would see that. The, Lee, the copy editor. Yeah. She would be. <laughs> anyway, I think we should probably. Have we got uh, yeah, time? We, we've got heaps of time. We, we've had, Yeah, we've only done 35 minutes, but it's all it's all gold. So. No, I mean, do we have not Have we got enough? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because, like, for movies that I don't like, it's so, it's so easy to keep going on about them for ages because there's so many things yeah, I don't but like. But this, but this was one lovely. was so great yeah it was a good fun like i also think that marielle heller did a really good job of pacing her scenes i know mm. there was a little drag in the middle but like she had a really good way of like having some scenes that were a bit slower and then having something happen mm. you know like she sort of had a good balance of like character scenes funny scenes something important happens for the plot yeah and then keep going like that yeah which i noticed a few times like i could I could tell what kind of scene was coming up next because of the last two that we'd had. Yeah, and she's good at building tension too. Like the, the scenes where she's trying to sell to booksellers, you can feel her nervousness, but the scene in the library. Oh, my God, was so good. So, so tense. Um, yeah. Really good at that. I know, and it was like – and just in the close-ups and the close-up on – and a lot of that was the work Melissa McCarthy was doing as well because she was great. Yeah, and but, shuffling papers and things, yeah. but that was really well done. But the scene. use of like the close-ups on her face and then a longer take of like what's going on in the background mm-hmm. and then close-up on her foot and everything just to build that tension. Um, and, and again, the music, the score was really good on that front. Yeah. I love that movie. What are you going to give it, Melissa? Um, I was actually just about to look up the name of the composer so we could mention okay. it on the record. I thought but, it was Nate something. But. Yeah, it, it was. I am giving it four stars though. Um, Nate Heller is the oh, composer. Probably somebody related to Mariel Heller then. Yeah. I'm going to give it five stars because I loved this movie. Awesome. Well, that's nice. It's it nice is. It's to my have a movie to love. first five-star movie of this year. So Yeah. Yes, that we've talked about. Yeah. Oh, no, wait. We did The Handmaiden, didn't we? Did we give five stars to that? It's not. It's a 2016 movie anyway, I and also have, we haven't released that episode, I, even though it was recorded like six months ago. But also, like, it's that's not of this year. No, so it doesn't count for me. Awesome. Well, that's excellent. Yeah, I really loved it. And I, you know, there's other movies that I think I might have maybe found more enjoyable overall. Like, I'll probably go back to more than this. Mm. But like for me, I just didn't. 
feel like there were any flaws in this that I can point to and go, <laughs> aha, that takes a star off. Like I just thought it was perfectly made for the movie. And I great. do hope people go and see this. I Me really too, do. But they never go and see these things. No, because it's, so it's frustrating arty and it's festivaly and it, but it is really good. Yeah, it is arty and festivaly, but it's so entertaining. It's also got some really like it's interesting because it's a serious movie with some top notch comedic talent. Yes. Um, playing ser- in more serious roles. And Richard E. Grant, who's not traditionally a comedian, doing the funny part. Well, to me it's ki- kind of was like I, Tonya. Yeah. And that it's like a kind of a comedic take on real life. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. not in like an icky vice way. No, having the yeah having the, the comedy there I think really lifts it a bit. And because, again, the whole forgery is a low-stakes crime kind of. Yeah, because to me it plays more like a dramedy yeah. than like a biopic. Yeah, yeah. You know, like it's it's got it's more like a comedy with dramatic yeah moments than like a straight biopic. Yes, yes. Which made it much more fun because I'm yeah. not that much of a straight biopic person. No, but uh, well, this and was much more good, entertaining than that. Yeah, and a good biopic is something that good good biopics generally just take a small fraction of a person's life and use that to tell the bigger story. Like they mm. don't they just take a certain slice of their life rather than telling the whole story from start to finish and that's why this works because it is it's one particular event that happened in her life and you can extrapolate from that yeah but it doesn't need to go into it yeah okay well yes no this this was lovely so i hope more people see it thank you very much for listening to the silver screen queens podcast if you would like show notes or old episodes they're on our website silverscreenqueens.com and if you'd like to find us on social media we're at screen underscore queens on twitter facebook.com forward slash silver screen queens and tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com on tumblr thank you for listening Bye. Bye.